Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Well, tonight we're going to conclude our series on the love life. Um, I hope you got something out of it somewhere along the way. I thought, my Lord, I've had a five-week series. What in the world? I'm usually just a one-timer here kind of thing, but I've got five. And honestly, there's enough stuff on this page, these two pages I've got here. It took me, I, I wrote it out a longhand, and then I went and sat down and tried to put it all on the computer and rearrange it in some kind of order. And uh, that's why I was sweating it to the last minute here tonight. But anyway, we've got, got probably more than just for tonight, but I am going to wrap it up even if I have to keep you an extra couple of minutes because my name is Anderson. Hallelujah. Amen. So we're just going to get started tonight and just uh, thank you, Father. We just bless you tonight for the opportunity to be together with you in this place tonight. Father, we know that when you call us together, you call us for a purpose. You call us with an, with a, with an understanding that there's going to be something waiting for us when we meet together. And so tonight, Father, we have it in our hearts to, to receive and to retain and to put into practice the things that we hear. And, Father, I expect the Holy Spirit to tailor what I say for every single person, whatever their need is, however it can uh, more greatly impact them. I expect it to be tailor-made just for them. Father, if it's only one point... That makes a difference. That's all. And that's profitable. We came tonight to profit. And profit is what we will do. And so we thank you that the word goes forth and it accomplishes that which you send it forth to do. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I'm not going to really review anything because I just don't have time. So if you didn't get in on the first four parts, you can always go back and get the download or you know, the MP3, whatever the things they are. I don't even know what they are sometimes, you know. But uh, you can go ahead and get those. Some, and uh, and uh, so we're just going to just start off here tonight. Um, I, I, I want to just kind of condense this and get concise here. I'm going to spend a little time on one particular area. Um, there are four flows of the God kind of love. Do you know that? I bet you can figure it out. Number one is a flow from God to us. And number two a flow from us to God. And then there's a flow through us to our brothers and sisters in the Lord. And then the fourth one is through us to the world. And we've talked about, you know, how God's love was supposed to work in us as we, you know, are around our brothers and sisters about forgiveness, all kinds of things. We've, we've talked about how, you know, the, our, the love of God should flow through us, you know, to the people who are in the world because they need to see the love of God in action. And the only place they're going to see it is in us. And we're supposed to be the carriers, the demonstrators, the, the contagions that spread the love of God to a world who so desperately needs it. But, um, you know, in, in, in looking at all these different things, you know, I, I kept coming back to number two, and that is the flow of the God kind of love from us to God. And, uh, and it, I don't know, in just the last, last week or so, I just began to think, you know, it is not possible for me in my humanity and with the challenges and the limitations I have as a human being to love God effectively. 
There has to be an element of the love that God put on the inside of me that I appropriate to give back to him. It's, that's the only way it's possible. In and of myself, it is not possible to really love God like I should love God without his help. And he put his love on the inside of me to, to love other people, to love myself, to, to love the world. But he also put that love on the inside of me so that I could have the capacity to love him. Have you ever thought about that? That you, you have to have his love on the inside of you to really love him. You know, and I got to think, there's just no way. There's just no other way that it works unless it works that way. Um, in Deuteronomy 6, verse 5, it says that we are to love the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our might. Now, if you go to Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, 37, Mark 12, 30, and Luke 10, 27, it repeats this. It says that we are to love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Every aspect of our being should be in love with God. Our spirit man, our mind, will, emotions, actions, everything, everything we do, do what everybody, pastor's been talking about, making our bodies a living sacrifice. You know, part of the way, the way we do that is by loving God. We are the sacrifice that we bring to God as an expression of his love in us going back to him. You know, and so I just got to look at that, you know, God gave us emotions, you know, and, you know, I've been in, you know, in, in church all my life, you know, and, and I realize that there's a, a lot of times in a church service that, that it can be flesh, not spirit, you know, and, and people, well, I just get emotional. Well, I understand that to an extent. You know, God wants us to love him with, with our emotions as well, but when we come in, into a place that, you know, we're to worship in spirit and in truth, not out of the flesh. You can be emotional without being in the flesh. Did you know that? You can, I mean, you can just have tears running down your face because you love him so much, because he loves you so much, because he's done so much for you. You can laugh hilariously because his spirit is all over you. You know, so he, he wants us to use the emotional part of us to express love. Not just to other people, but to him. He made us that way. So that's why all the, the disciples, all, I mean, the, the writers of the, uh, the, the, the uh, first part of the New Testament all put in their heart, soul, mind, and strength. They cover everything. And so it's with those things that we really, really begin to experience God's love back to him. And, um, you know, Here's the thing. Um, well, let's just go to 1 John 4. 1 John 4. I may have to skip around in my notes a little bit, so you'll just have to bear with me. It says here in verse four, 16 of chapter 4, it says, And we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love, and he that dwells in love dwells in God, and God in him. The Amplified of that says, and we know, understand, recognize, are conscious of by observation 
and experience. And where it says believe, it says, the Amplified says, we adhere to and put faith in and rely on the love God cherishes for us. You know, to be able to love God, you have to first know the love of God. Really know it and believe it. You know, and I understand, you know, that, that you know, we are, because we are human beings, sometimes we relate to God from a human standpoint. And I know that there are times when people have a hard time relating to the love of God because their experience with the love of a natural parent, natural father, has not been the best. You know, it's, it's, it's been a warped version of love. And, and really, you know, there's a verse that, that talks about how God is, is from where all fatherhood derives its name and gets its being. And ideally, a human, natural father should be the representation of God the Father. doesn't always happen. And so because of that, people have a real hard time sometimes really comprehending the love of God. It, it seems like it's too good to be true. They don't understand how that love works because the only love they have known has been a distorted or perverted version of what parental love should be about. But, you know, as a parent, you know, it has helped me understand God to have had children because as much as I love my children, I understand that God's love to to me as his child is so much bigger, so much larger, so much more than any love I could possibly have for my own children. I would lay down my life for my children. But God laid down his son's life. I love my children so much that I would give my life. And God loved me more by giving his son for me. And so we have to, we have to know the love of God and believe it. You know, what it boils down to so much is, is we have to be the recipients of God's love. You know, we receive his love when we, when we say yes and, and, and take Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And yet sometimes we stop short after that action by not letting God's love permeate every single part of our lives. His love was more than just to get us to heaven. It was so much more than that. But it's up to us to receive that love, to take that love in and to put it into practice in our lives and to let it just, like I said, permeate every part of our lives from the moment we get up until the moment we go to bed at night and all, and, and just be confident in the fact that while we're sleeping, his love is working on the inside of us. He loves me. He cares for me. He watches over me. I have nothing to fear. I mean, there's just so much, you know, in that. But Hosea, I won't make you turn there, chapter 6, verse 3 says, Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. Listen, when you, as a, you know, as just a, a person, as a human, you know, you uh, maybe as some of you are, are, are married and, and maybe some aren't, maybe you're dating, whatever, but I tell you what, you might find yourself at a place in life where you had an interest in somebody. Well, an interest is one thing, but to really get to love them, you have to know them. And you can only know them when you spend time with them. When you, when you put yourself in a place to interact with that person on a regular basis. 
Now, I also understand that no matter how much I think I know somebody, until I live with them, I don't really know them. Anybody can say amen to that? Yeah. I didn't know you snored. Well, now you do. (laughs) Don't poke Lori. Stop that. But but we ha- we have to. It, it says, "Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord." Just because you get born again does not know mean you have the capacity to really comprehend the love of God. It means you have a starting place. Because it says, "If we follow on," you know, there's a part here for us to play. You know, in in developing the God kind of love on the inside to develop that love life that he wants us to experience. We have to follow on. We never outgrow his love. And yet, you know, sometimes we look at the love of God and we, we, we bring it down to such human levels because people fall in and out of love. You know, oh, I don't love you anymore. I mean, it's the time. I, I mean, I, I remember we'd been married about seven years, and I thought, I do not love this man, not one bit. And, and, if, and if I could, knew I could take care of myself and my children, I'd be out of here. I remember that day. And I didn't want to. I, I, I loved the fact that he went to work five days a week. Wonderful. Weekends were miserable because he was home for two days. And, and I didn't, I, I, was, I was convinced, that's it, that's done. I mean, we are, we are, headed, we are headed for a divorce because this is never going to get any better. And yet there came a day when I decided that I had to learn to love him all over again. You know, we, have, we get to the place sometimes where we kind of pull God into that kind of a context that we kind of fall in and fall out of love. With, and we sort of do. We sort of do. Let me ask you this. Is your love as hot and fiery, as passionate, as burning as it was in the days you first knew him? Mm, no answers. Is it, is it that fiery? Is it that hot? I know marriage is something after 50 years, I can say this. It's not fireworks, but it's a comfortable place to be. With God, we can have that kind of a passion all the time if we want it. If we want it. We can stir up the love of God on the inside of us to a place where we are just so in love with him all the time. But it's something we have to do. We follow on to know him. You know, we never want to get to a place where anything that we do, you know, takes the place of the love of God. Because the love of God ought to be a, a, a place where we, everything that we do comes out of a place of love. You know, over in Ephesians 1 verse 17, it, it talks about the spirit of revelation, uh, spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. See, the more you get to know him, the more he reveals himself to you. The more you spend time with him, the better you know him. Communication isn't just conversation. It's actually getting somebody's attention and really getting some eye contact with them. That's when you know you've really communicated. If you've ever had children, you know there comes a time. I call it the zombie zone. When they hit about 12, 
years old, when you can stand in front of them and look at them and give them instructions and you know it went right past them. And I learned with the first child, okay, I can see that look. Now, Steve, repeat back to me just what I just said to you. And then we go round and round, you know, okay, you weren't listening. There was no communication there. There was some conversation, but no communication. He even said to somebody one time, he goes, you know, mom, sometimes she's telling me something and it's just like, I just don't hear her. And I'm thinking, yeah, I know. (laughs) You know, there are times, you know, when God's trying to talk to you and you just don't hear him. There are times you think you're talking to God and you're just doing all the talking. And there are times where he's going to look at you and say, would you just shut up and let me talk for a change? We got our own little ideas, you know, of what conversing with God's all about. You know, sometimes it's half-hearted. You know, we're we're distracted by other things. You know, we're kind of coming in out. You know, God wants your attention. If he wants your, if he, if you want his attention, you have to get him your attention. You know, there are times to talk to him. There's times for him to talk to you. But it's, it's, it's deliberate. It's a deliberate action that you're taking to get to know him. And when you get to know him, then you begin to understand more and more about the love that he put on the inside of you so that you can return that love to him. You know, it, um, it's imperative on, in our, on our behalf for us to take the action we need to make it fresh all the time, to make it fiery, to make it passionate, to make it burning on the inside of us. If you go with me to Jude, it's hard to find, I know. Jude, verse 21 It says, keep yourselves in the love of God. Tells me it's a place that you and I have to stay in, that we can easily be pulled out of. You need to keep yourself in the love of God. His love never changes. Our response to his love can change. And it's up to us to keep ourselves in that Love, Go with me then. You're just real, you're close. Uh, Revelation 2, verse 2. In this chapter, he's talking to the church at Ephesus. A good church. Wonderful church. Had a lot of stuff going on that was good. I mean, I'm telling you, it was good. You know, here in verse 2, it says, he's, he's writing, he says, I know your works and your labor and your patience. And how you cannot bear them which are evil. And you have tried them which say they are apostles and are not. And have, has found them to be liars. And have borne and has patience. And for my name's sake you have labored and have not fainted. You've not grown weary. Nevertheless, I have something against you. Can you imagine? What a sad statement. Here he is. It looks like he's giving you a major pat on the back. A good attaboy. I know your, I know your works. I know your labor. I know your patience. I know you have no, how you're not going to put up with evil stuff. I know that, you've, that you're smart enough and spiritually aware enough to, to realize who's a real apostle, who's a real man of God, and who's not. I know how you've, 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 you've shared my name. I know how you've labored 
and you've, you've not grown weary. You've continued in those things. And then he says, but I have something against you. What a sad thing to say. Here you are, got your thumbs, you know, right here. And you're just suspenders. Good, 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 good. I'm doing good, good, good. God's got it. God's got it. I know your works. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I got it. And then he goes, but I got something against you. And you go, Ooh. okay, what? He says, because you left your first love. You left your first love. They were doing all these things, wonderful things, but they weren't doing it from a place of love, where they were doing it because of the love that was on the inside of them for God. Now, don't get me wrong. It's up to me and you to love what God loves and hate what God hates. That's why we have to walk in forgiveness toward people because he loves those people. And if he loves them, then I'm supposed to love them. And if I love them, then I can't walk in unforgiveness toward them. Those are the things. He loves his body. He loves his church. You know, he loves for us to minister to one to, one to another, but we don't want to do it from a place of having lost our love for him and our zeal for him. We can't, we can't do it from that place. The, if, if your works precede your love for God, then all you've got is religion. It's all you've got. You know, there are a lot of churches, a lot of denominations, a lot of people, you know, who do a lot of good works, and they think that's loving God, and yet they don't even know him. There are people galore who go to church on a regular basis and don't know God. But yet, because they're involved in, in doing all these outreaches and all these charity events, and they, they, give to, they give to Samaritan's person, they do shoeboxes at Christmas, and they, and they send money to UNICEF, and they do this, and they, and they, they go down to the soup kitchens and serve, and, and, and they donate to this or that or the other. They think that's loving God. That's not loving God. Their works precede their love. But let me tell you, when you turn that around and your love for God precedes your works, you do the work that you do because you love God, then it becomes fruit. You're bearing fruit. You know, in, in any church, you know, the old saying used to be that, that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Now, that's not true around here. We have a great helps ministry. Could we have more involvement? Sure, we could. But here's the deal. You know, when I see people, and, and we have attendance requirements for people to work in certain places, you know, especially if, they're, if that means you're going to be out of the service, we have attendance requirements. Why? Because we don't want you to get burned out. You remember my old saying, when your upkeep becomes, when your outgo exceeds your input, when your outgo exceeds your income, then your out, well, oh my heavens, I'm tongue twice, twice. When your, when your, when your outgo exceeds your income, then your upkeep becomes your downfall. That's it. I know that thing so well. I've known that for 40 something years. Um, but that's what happens when people stay out of 
the actual service where they're putting in, they're giving out, and now their upkeep is zilch. They don't have anything to upkeep. The reason we do that is we don't want your works to become something that it's not. And when people get burned out, then they get a sour taste in their mouth about church. If you do what you do in your local body from a place of your love for God, ushering is not a burden. Working in tiny tots, it's not a burden. It's a joy. Working with Faith Island, Lighthouse, the teens, in sound, in audio, video, anything, even behind the scenes. A lot goes on behind the scenes that, that none of you sitting in a, in a church service will ever know about. But if you're involved in it, you know that somebody does those, all those things. It, services don't just happen. Events don't just happen. There's a lot of things that have to go into it. When, when you're doing all of those things... Because you love God, then you don't get burned out. It's not an interference with your schedule. It's not an imposition of your time. It's not a sacrifice of your finances. It's, I do this because I love God. And there's where your fruit comes in. If you're doing it to get a pat on the back, you got your reward. There are things that happen around here that nobody knows about, but I see. I see people who, you know, they're, they're at one time suing Calvin Kale before, you know, she had to start taking care of her sister and all that. They came down here on a regular basis just to clean off some of the signs around here. And one day I, I saw them outside and I went, I went out there and said, what you guys doing? Oh, well, we, we came up here to, to clean some of these signs off that kind of get kind of dirty. And I said, well, I didn't. That's really interesting. Yeah, we've been doing it a long time. I'm going, you have? And she said, oh, yeah, but we didn't need to tell anybody. We just come up here and just do it. I'm going, hallelujah. There are other things like that that go on all the time. If you're looking for a pat on the back and an attaboy, you got your reward. Not that I don't think that I should say thank you if I find out about it, because I'm certainly going to say thank you. But what are you looking to get out of it? Mm-hmm. And where does it where does it where does it originate? Is it out of love? Because I love God and I want to be a blessing. He loves His church. He's put me in this church. He wants me to be a blessing to this church. I can do some of these things whether anybody ever knows about it or not. There are times I see people just picking up a piece of trash out in the parking lot, or just picking up a piece of trash here and there, or straightening something up. That is work that is going to bear fruit. You do it because you love God. Hallelujah. We can get so out of touch with God and so in touch with our work for God that we never realize that what we're missing is Him. Mm, I'm guilty. I am so guilty of that. I get so caught up and so and so you know, just entrenched in the things that have to be done that sometimes I get weary. And because I'm weary, then then really, I mean, I started seeing myself in when I'm saying this, thinking, okay, if I'm like put out because I've got so much to do, I've got this, I'm not doing it from the right place. 
there's not a there's not a reward for me in that if I don't get my attitude straight and realize that I'm doing it because I love God and this is this is a joy to my heart to be able to express my love and appreciation for God by doing this for his church. We have to start turning some things around. You know, now if you're overworked, then, you know, pray that God will bring somebody else to fill in those places that you need to let go of. Because I know there's quite a few people around here who do two, three, four things. You know, and, and if... and. You know, somebody else could take some of those places, you know, if they volunteer to take some of those places. But we do it because we love God. Well, let's go on down here. We're in Revelation. Go on down. And in verse 5, it says, Remember, therefore, from whence you are fallen, and repent. Oh, how about that? Repent. Do I really need to repent? Yeah, you do. You got things out of order. Repent and do the first works. Do the first works. Let's see. Is there something I put in here about first works? Uh, Philip's translation says, repent and live as you lived at first. Go back and remember, like I said before, remember how you lived when you first got born again, first came in contact with the love of God. How did you live back then? How did you live? Were you like, I can't wait to get up in the morning and just say, thank you, Jesus. I can't wait to, to, to get into my Bible. I can't wait to go to prayer. I can't wait to get to church. You know, when you, when you fell in love with, with that certain someone, I mean, you, you wanted to be around them all the time. You wanted to talk to them all the time. You wanted to tell everybody you knew about them all the time until people got sick of hearing it. You just like, shut up. Move on. Go, you know, stop. Go away. People, you should be so in love with God that people are like, oh, would you hush? Can't you talk about something else? Nope, can't talk about anything else because I just love God that much. Go back and figure out what the first works were that you were doing and live like that again. Live like that. You know, when you, do you, you remember how you first, now I don't know about you, but even raised in the Pentecostal church, you know, I was not used to raising my hands. And I remember how I came to church and, and I'd go, you know, sometimes you wonder what people are doing. You know, are we, are we offering something? You know, you know, are we, are we, you know, what is this one? You know, what? You know, but over time, you know, you got, you got little, hands got a little higher all the time. You know, our love for God ought to be increasing to the point that, Although it's a, not, not exactly, you know, our, our comfort zone. It's not what we're used to. When we first get born again, we somehow manage, you know, to get to a place where we're just exuberant about it. And if you're not, you better check up. It's nothing to raise my hands and do this. You know, it's, it's easy to do. Because I got used to it. But you can't get so used to it that it becomes just form. Again, don't turn it into works. But, you know, there were, there were times, you know, where we just, we just kind of, 
Oh, Lord, I'll just do anything, even though it's beyond my comfort zone. I'll do anything. I'll do anything. I'll do anything. Yeah, I can put my hands up. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can do that. I can pray out loud. Yeah, I can pray out loud. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. I'm not going to be intimidated. I'm not going to be in fear because I love you. You ever been there? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Acts 20 24 uh, is talking about finishing my course with joy and the ministry. You know, we need to finish our course with joy because of the love of God that's on the inside of us will cause us to be joyful. And it says, and the ministry. Listen, Jesus and Paul are examples of two people who finished their course and their ministry. How do I know that? Because they both left a lasting impact on the world. You have the same capacity to leave a lasting impact on the world that you live in. Don't just be a blip in time. But leave something behind because of the God kind of love that's on the inside of you. Leave something behind that impacts the world that you're currently in. Hebrews 12, he talks about running the, your race, your appointed course. And the, and the way we can do this, is to, to do it the way it ought to be done, is found in, in the, the second verse about looking unto Jesus. We always have to bring our eyes back to Jesus. And in this case, you know, because we're talking about the God kind of love, bringing our eyes back to focusing on the things of God. Bring our eyes back to the place where we see the love of God on the inside of us, that we experience it, we enjoy it. We're ready to just to just live it and live in it and live big. God wants you to live large in his love. He wants you to live large. You know, but, but we went to Jude and we talked about keeping yourselves in the love of God. We talked about first works. Listen, listen, don't live in a place that your memory carries you, carries you to. Don't look back and say, well, I, I used to be like this, but, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not like that anymore. I used to just be so excited to get to church. Now I go out of habit. Don't do that. Get, to, get back. Don't settle for those dry places. I know if we, if we all compared notes, we've all experienced some dry places in our walk with God. It's because we lost sight of the love of God that we have for him. We lost sight of the fact that, that we need to just constantly be aware of, of loving him. And when you, if you get back to the place where you're aware of loving him, there won't be any dry places. The dry places will be well watered all the time. Well watered. Hallelujah. Well, how, do you, how do you do that sometimes? Well, how do I get back to that kind of place? Well, how about being specific when it comes to just why you love God? Why do you love him? Because he changed my destiny. Because I was headed straight to hell. I was on a fast course to destruction. And he changed my life. He rescued me. He, he interrupted my life, you know, and showed me a better way. You know, you have to stir up the reasons why you love God. Be specific about it if, if you have to. You know, be, you know I, I was reminded this afternoon to go back to, to 1 Peter 3, uh, 3.15 where it says to be ready always to give an answer. Listen, somebody comes up to you and says, why do you love God? You need to be ready to answer them. Well, he, he's, he's good. He's this. 
be specific about why you love him. He has saved my life so many times from destruction. I mean, we're talking about physical destruction. We're not talking about spiritual destruction, which he certainly did. But he's, I mean, I look back at my life and I see, I see several times. And there probably are more that I just don't even know, that I don't recognize. That he saved my physical life. Thank God, because my job is, is, is here for now. See, when we die and we go to heaven, I mean, that is the ultimate gain. But we should hang on to this life because God's given us an assignment. And we shouldn't leave it before our assignment is done. And so I look at my life and I, I, I can pick out several things where it should have turned out much differently. And except for God, you know, it would have. There's a reasons why I love him. I mean, you can come up with all kinds of reasons, but you need to, if you want to get yourself back to that place where you're red hot, fiery in love with God again, then you need, you need to stir up those specific things about your life. Not just, well, he's just good. God's a good God. And, well, God sent Jesus. And da, da, da. It, needs, it needs to be personal. Your love for him has to be personal. His love for you is personal, and your love for him has to be personal. And you need to be ready anytime somebody says, why do you go to church? Because I love God, and he's done this, this, and this, and he is this to me, and he is that. You ought to be ready all the time to give, to give an answer for any, any question that some, come, somebody comes up with. You know, it reminds me of times people you know, used to say, well, y'all pray for me. And Brother Hagin would stop people and say, well, pray for me. And he goes, what do you want me to pray for? Uh, 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 okay, uh, that uh, God will bless me. Don't say pray for me unless you've got something specific to ask. So when somebody says, why do you love God? You be specific about why you love God, what he means to you. What a blessing he is in your life. What, how your life is so different. How your life is filled with joy. How your life is filled with prosperity. How your life is filled with victory. How your life is filled with authority. How, how your, your, your family is blessed and you're blessed and, and God is good. And I mean, it ought to be turning on a spout that they can't turn off. It's what it ought to be. That's how you do that. Now, keeping yourselves in the love of God... One of the ways you can do that is to watch other people and to see how well they love God. You ever looked at somebody and you kind of like, man, I wish I was more like them. You can be more like them. They're, they're, they're an influencer. Isn't that today's term? I'm an, I'm, what's, what's your job? I'm an influencer. I'm, 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 on, I'm on the web and I'm an influencer. You can be an influencer. You can inspire people. If somebody, look at somebody who inspires you and become like them. And that way you can, you can inspire somebody else and tell them, you can be just like me. You can be just as crazy and as radically in love with God as I am. Wouldn't that be nice? I mean, I, I, I think of people throughout my life that have influenced me, you know, and, and have, have just set such wonderful examples in front of me. And, and to know that, that 
I can love God like they love God. I can experience love like they have experienced it. I can show God's love like they showed God's love. I can spread God's love like they spread God's love. I can be an influencer like they're an influencer. And one of the best ways you can influence this world is to influence your children. No matter how, what age they are. You can be an influencer to them. They need examples of how you love God. It's amazing to me, should not be amazing to anybody, and it really isn't amazing to me, that when parents lose their love for the things of God and for God, their children lose it as well. I tell you, there are, there are generations of people who will suffer There are people who will die and go to hell because a relative at some point shut down on God. Backed off, let go, cooled off, and left the things of God. Born again, they made it to heaven, but their influence was felt for generations. They had an impact, an eternal impact. But it wasn't for the good. It was for the not good. We can't afford to do that. Our children need to see us experience and express the love of God and our love to him. They need to see us love God. I'll just get right down here and meddle. May I? I will. Thank you. You're welcome. When you come to church... That is not expressing the love of God. It's not expressing the love of God. When you come into church, worship with everything that's in you. I will bless the Lord at all times. I will bless the Lord at all times. Didn't David say, with, didn't David say, with all that is within me, with all that is within me, When we come into church, we come into a service, God expects us to worship him in spirit and in truth, and that means bless the Lord with all that is within us. This is not it. Not it. Mm -mm. You're being an obvious non-lover of God when you're distracted, when you're on your phone, when you're off in la-la land, when you're drawing, you know, it's not loving God. It's not expressing. I mean, really, that's a slap in the face, if you want to be honest about it. It's a slap in the face to God. I mean, I've called you to come together here. I've called you to this time. I've called you for a purpose. Don't you care what the purpose is? Don't you care what I have here for you? To me, that's akin to me fixing a big meal and somebody coming and taking a look at it and going, oh, I think I'll, I'll get around to it, you know. doesn't matter to me whether it's hot or cold. It's okay. I'll eventually get to it. Don't you dare say that at my table. Mm-mm. I dare say God would think the same thing. Don't come in and think you can just take it or leave it. If you're here, take it. But the way you're going to take it is by, by yielding to the love that you have for him. 
That's the only way. One of the other ways that um, you keep yourself in the love of God is never let anything come bet- get between you and God. You know, there are th- some things that aren't necessarily wrong, but they aren't edifying. And you need to deal with them. You know, I heard somebody express it this way one time. Say, you've got kids in the kitchen, and there's pots and pans everywhere, and it's just a major mess. But you didn't notice all those crumbs on the counter or that big greasy spot on the counter until you get all the big stuff cleaned up, and then it's become glaringly obvious that the counter is full of crumbs or greasy spots. Just because it's a little something doesn't mean it's not something. It is something. And little things can come between you and God. You have, to be get, you have to get sensitive to the things in this life that cause that inner man just to kind of go, not, not comfortable with that. Somebody called it one time a scratch. Something that scratches you. You, you need to be sensitive to recognize those things. Maybe you got into a conversation, you got drawn into a conversation that you became a party to that wasn't necessarily wrong, but it was not edifying. Things are need to be dealt with. You know, you can't just ignore them forever. It's like that, whatever that, whatever that is that's in the back of your refrigerator that's been there for a long time, it's growing now. And it's stinking now. And you're going to have to deal with it at some point. So just go ahead and deal with it. Get it out. Clean it out. Don't wait till companies come in to decide to clean the refrigerator out. My refrigerator is so cleaned out all the time, it looks like there's nothing in it. But that's okay. You got to clean it out. Or say you got a big old, got, got a big old spot on a shirt somewhere, you think, well, I'll just put a jacket on to cover that up. No, no. You get the thing out. You go to the laundry room. You get the detergent out. You know, you, you, you get, it, get it ready to go to the washer. Sometimes you have to do a little pre-treat. You know, get the shout out. There's some things you can shout out. You can do some shouting and get some things out and get some things straightened out. You you can do that. But when it goes in the washer, what does the washer, washer do? It agitates. There are some things when you start dealing with them, they, it's going to agitate you a little bit. It's going it's going it's not going to feel quite so good, but it's doing the job. If you'll let the cycle run, it's doing the job. Get those things out because they matter. They matter. Now, remember this. To keep yourself in the love of God, you have to understand this. God is always going to love you. Always. 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 No matter what, he will always love you. Will he always be pleased with you? Mm-mm. No, he won't always. There are days he's not pleased with me, and I know it. And there are things that I, I, I will constantly admit, oh, Lord, I... I, I I really meant to do better. I really did mean to do better. Forgive me. But you know, I could take that too far. Lord, you know, I'm so sorry. I've done this for the 101st time. I'm just so sorry. Okay, I'll fast for three days now. I won't, I won't do this. I won't do that. Just to show you I'm sorry. I'll, 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 I'll do any. Lord, I just, I'm just so sorry. You know, I, I just, listen, what God will tell you at this point is hush. 
He will say, what makes you think that what you did can outweigh the grace of, that I have provided in your life? How can you how can you act as though you're somebody so special that what Jesus' price that he paid for your sin wasn't good enough to cover it? He'll say, hush, leave it alone, let it go, leave it there, let's finish up. You know, Romans 12.3 says, sometimes you can think more highly of yourself than you ought. Just know when you say, Father, forgive me, he did. He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And once you've said, I'm sorry, let it go. Let it go. Hebrews 9.14 talks about the blood of Christ that, it, that purges our conscience. Ephesians 5.25 talks about where he sanctifies and cleanses it by the washing of the water of the word. And here we go. We're washing of the water. There's an agitation going on to clean it all up. You know, it's not, sometimes it's not enough just to say, Father, I'm sorry. Now, that's kind of contradicting what I just said. Sometimes he wants you to go back and look at why you got where you were in that and fix that. And sometimes that causes just a little uncomfortableness. Because, listen, correction is a flow of the love of God. It's not always real gentle. Sometimes he can be very stern. But he loves you enough to correct you. And you need to be grateful for that. So sometimes that washing of the word of the word, you know, you got some agitation going on. It's pulling. It's stretching. It's doing this. It's just, but I'm going to come out of this much better than I went in. Hallelujah. Just let him do that. Um, hallelujah. We need to, to just understand that any time we need God's we can always run into him. You know, over in Proverbs, it talks about the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are saved. Listen, the love of God is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. Hallelujah. John described himself as the one whom Jesus loved. And he was so confident and so comfortable in the love that, that Jesus had for him that he was reclining on him at the Last Supper. Listen, we need to recline on the love of God. Just get comfortable. Just curl up, put your head on Daddy's shoulder, and enjoy the love of God and love him back. You know, I, uh, I, was, I, was, reading, I was reading this today, as, uh, and uh, I had to, go, had, to re- had to go get it and read it because I was, I was kind of... Like, okay, Lord, I don't remember all the verses, but how about leaning on the everlasting arms? Oh, what, I mean, I mean I'm telling you what, these people had a revelation of the love of God when they wrote this. What a fellowship, what a joy divine, leaning on the everlasting arms. What a blessedness, what a peace is mine, leaning on the everlasting arms. Verse 3, what have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms. I have blessed peace with my Lord so near, leaning on the everlasting arms. And the chorus is leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all alarms, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. Listen, be so comfortable in your love for God that you can just relax and lean on him, 
Love him. Let him love you. This is the life you are destined to live. The God kind of life. Created, endued with power, propelled by the love of God. He wants you to live in that, that place where, where we are so confident in his love for us that we can, be, we, can be, we can just be zealous and free to love him. And I tell you what, when we find ourselves loving him like he loved us, which we know we can't really do that, we really know that we can't ever get to that place where our capacity equals his capacity. But because he's put his love in us, it amps up the capacity that we did have. If we can live like that, we will always fulfill the law of love toward other people. Always. So I just want to leave you with that. You know, when you, when you are confident in God's love and you love him completely, if you really love God, you'll never have a problem with fear. You'll never have a problem with peace. You'll never have a problem with joy. You'll never have a problem with victory. Because, because it all the answers that he's given us for all those things flow out of his love. And so when we love him back, we can, be, we can always be sure that we're doing the right thing, that we're walking in the commandment, the one commandment that Jesus left us is to love. And so anyway, with that, I'm going to quit three minutes early. How about that? We skipped some things, but that's okay. Hallelujah. I hope you got something out of this. Amen. God is good. And I tell you what, we need, we need to fire ourselves up. I'm going to use up those three minutes. Uh, we need to fire ourselves up again in the love of God. Need to do a love checkup. Not just on, on how you're walking in love toward others, but how you're walking in love toward him. Where is your passion? Where is your zeal? Where is that burn on the inside that you can't wait to spend time with him? Where is that affection that you have for him where nothing else compares? Where is that joy in just walking with him that, that just transcends anything else that motivates me to do the things that I need to do the things that he loves, participating in those things. Where is it? Do a checkup. And if, and if you need, need to go back and repent and start doing the first works again, then do them. I tell you what, you will profit immensely. You will be so blessed, and it will be so comfortable, and you will realize how you've missed that place, that you've missed it. Oh, oh, this feels so good, Lord. This feels so good to be back where I belong in that same, that same place of loving you. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.